Good morning, church. I love you, and I appreciate you so very much. I read a story just this week uh, about the 2008 SEC Men's Basketball Championship game that was played in Alabama, or in uh, Georgia, rather, uh, Atlanta, at the Georgia Dome. And it was the, the very close game. Alabama was down by three points right at the buzzer. Uh, Michael Riley shot a three-point shot, went in, sent the game into overtime. Might be the only time that a three-point shot ever saved anyone's life, much less maybe hundreds or thousands of people, because while the game was in overtime, a tornado went just north of the dome, destroying lots of property, but if the game had let out on time, thousands of fans would have been right in the path of the storm, and thankfully their, their lives were spared. That's a, a, close, a close call. And as this month we're thinking about storms, trials, challenges, difficulties in our lives, I, w- I want us to think about this idea that, that our perspective is often determined by proximity. Perspective is often determined by proximity. The way you feel about things, especially about storms, is often determined by how close the storm is to you. Isn't that true? The way you feel about a storm is often determined by how close that storm is to you. When something is is way off in the future and you think, well, it's possible that someday I might, or someday I probably will, or someday I definitely will have to deal with that, it seems like it's no big deal. But when you're in the storm, when you're dealing with it, when it's all around you, when you're in the midst of it, your perspective on that storm is that it's, it's huge, it's overwhelming. In fact, we can even get to the point where we can't see beyond it, where we can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, and we even begin to despair. Our perspective is often determined by the proximity of whatever it is that we're dealing with, and maybe you're right there in the midst of a storm right now. Chances are there are many of us, many of you, that are right in the middle of a storm. And if you're not there right now, chances are you've been there, or maybe before too long, you will find yourself in the middle of a storm. And so I I hope that over the next few weeks, as we talk about Paul's life and some of the things that he went through, I hope that the way that he dealt with those things and these stories that we have, I hope that these things will help to shape our perspective on storms. We've been talking about Paul's life. We talked about how he was in prison, how he spent two years in prison in Caesarea, and the Romans, they couldn't convict him of anything, and they couldn't let him go, and so he appealed his case to Caesar, and so the Romans had no choice but to transfer him from Caesarea to Rome. Here's a map of the journey that that Paul took, at least as far as the island of Crete, and they made it to a place on the island of Crete called Fair Havens, and Paul suggested It's really late in the season. It's going to be really dangerous. Let's stay here at Fairhavens, but his advice was ignored. So that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 27 and verse 9. Acts 27 and verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Now, 
in addition to the fact that Paul is an apostle of Jesus, he has prophetic abilities. In addition to that, he's traveled a lot of miles by sea. He's even been shipwrecked before, so his advice is actually worth a lot, but it was ignored. Verse 11, the centurion, although paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said, and because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. So the, the centurion ignores Paul's advice, and he thought it would be better to try to sail up the coast of Crete. Here's another map. And the green line, I don't know if you can see it, but that, that's the line that the, the centurion hoped to, to follow and, and sail right along the, the coast of Crete and make it up to a port called Phoenix, but the orange line or the red line is the actual path that they ended up taking because of the storm that would blow in. Now, as we think about that, we, we sometimes can relate to that in that we find ourselves at a, at a fork in the road sometimes. And sometimes we, we are the ones that ignore good advice. Somebody that says, yeah, don't, don't go that way, don't do that thing, don't follow that instinct. And so sometimes it's us that ignores good advice and we take a path that we probably shouldn't take. Or sometimes it's someone else, someone else that chooses a path for us. Maybe we even encourage them because they're taking us along for the ride and we say, no, 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 we we shouldn't do this. We should probably wait. We should probably hold back. Don't go that way. Don't go that path. And other times, we find ourselves in the middle of a storm simply because that's the, 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 the hand that we were dealt. It's simply the way that nature went. It was simply what transpired, and we didn't have a choice in it. But so many times, we find that we are on a path, we are in a place that we shouldn't be, that we didn't want to be. This isn't where we had planned to be. Look at verse 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete. So they thought they were going to follow that, that green line close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Kata. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat, that is the lifeboat, Verse 17, after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the surtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And again, you may have been in a similar situation in your past. You may be in a similar situation in the present, and you may find yourself in a similar situation in the future where you are storm-tossed, where you don't know what to do, and, and the crew does everything they know to do. They, they hoist the, the lifeboat into the ship. They run ropes underneath the ship to try to tie it together. They throw cargo overboard. They even throw the ship's equipment overboard. They're doing everything they can. They're dragging their anchors, doing everything that they can to try to change their situation. And maybe you've been there, or maybe you are there right now, and you're just exhausted 
You've done everything you know to do. You've tried everything you know to try and you are just worn out and you don't know what's going to happen next and they abandon hope. They are in a state of despair. Now look at verse 21. Since then, or since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. This part of the story is incredibly encouraging to me because Paul is saying this isn't the path we should have gone on. This isn't the choice we should have made. This isn't the direction we should have gone. And sometimes we find ourselves like in that type of a situation, don't we? Sometimes we find ourselves on a path where we look back and we say, I shouldn't have gone this way. I shouldn't have made this decision. And sometimes we are in a storm, we are in a trial, we are in a challenging point in our life because we made a choice that we shouldn't have made. Or maybe, again, maybe someone in our family, maybe someone that we're connected to made a choice. Maybe we even encouraged them not to make that choice. But because of the choices that were made, we found ourselves or we find ourselves in a situation where we think, I wish we weren't here. But there's no way to, to go back. There's no way to, to go back to where we were and make the decision over again. But here's what's encouraging. God knew they were going to be there. And he already made plans to take care of them. And that's encouraging for us too, isn't it? Maybe you shouldn't have made that decision. Maybe your family member shouldn't have made that decision. Maybe it would have been best had you not gone down this path, but you're here, and guess what? God knew you were going to be here, and he already made plans to provide for you. He already made plans to protect you. Look at verse 23. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. Now, we don't have exactly that promise. We don't have exactly the promise that this particular storm that you're in the midst of right now, or the storm that you will face, that you're going to survive that storm. Maybe, maybe you won't. But we have promises from God that God will raise us from the dead. That we have a home with God in the new Jerusalem. That even death itself cannot stop us. And, and whatever situation we find ourselves in right now, God knew that we were going to be there. Maybe it would have been best had we chosen another path. Maybe it would have been best had someone around us chosen a different path. But God knew that that was the path we were going to choose. God knew that this is the situation we were going to end up in. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I shouldn't have gone this way. And because I went this way, because I, I find myself here right now, maybe God's not going to care for me anymore. Maybe I found myself outside of his providence and his protection because of the path that I chose. God is so very gracious. And God is all-knowing. And he, he knew before that choice was ever made, it may not have been the choice he wanted for you to make, but he knew before the choice was made that that was the path you were going to choose. And if 
we will trust him and surrender to him, then even right now on this path where you find yourself right now, God can still protect and provide. Look at verse 27. When the 14th night had come, two weeks, when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Two weeks of being storm-tossed at sea. Can you imagine? Two weeks, 14 nights of not knowing what's going to happen next, two weeks of being tossed to and fro, two weeks of not knowing if the ship is going to break apart, two weeks of not knowing what's going to happen next, two weeks of not knowing if I close my eyes, am I going to wake up in the morning? And now they, now they take these soundings and they realize that the water is getting more and more shallow, and so they're worried that they might run aground. But it's dark, there's nothing that they can do except lower the anchors and wait and pray. And again, maybe you find yourself in a similar situation. You're worn out. You're exhausted. You're afraid. You feel like you're feeling your way along in the dark and you don't know what's going to happen next. And when we're in those situations, especially when it feels like the storm is never going to end, and when it feels like this just keeps going on and it keeps persisting and I keep struggling and I'm afraid and, and I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm angry, when we're in those types of situations, it's not surprising. When we start to look for an escape route, when we start to look for a shortcut, when we start to say, you know what, I know I should press on, I know I should keep my commitments. I know I should do what's right. I know I should help the people around me. But, but we, we get tempted to take the easy way out in those types of situations. And that's exactly what happens here. Verse 30. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. Again, it's not surprising because so many of us do this, don't we? When we're in the middle of a storm and when, it's, when it seems like it's, it's going on and on and on forever and we don't know what's going to happen next and it's, it's dark and, and we don't know what the future holds and we're, we're afraid and we're hurting, it's not surprising that people start looking for an escape route. But... What's amazing here is that the soldiers have learned to listen to Paul. And they so listened to Paul that they cut the lifeboat away and let the lifeboat go. And I, I read that, I thought, do we trust the Apostle Paul like that? Do we trust Scripture like that? In the middle of the storm, when it seems like the storm is, is just keeps on persisting, and we're scared, and we're anxious, and we're hurting, and, we, and we're looking for an escape route, do we say, no, there's no plan B. I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep my commitments to the people around me. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to walk by faith. Do we cut the lifeboat away and press on and continue in faith and keep our commitments? Look at verse 33. 
As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from, your, from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. See, that's what we need, isn't it? We need somebody when we're in the middle of a storm, when we're hurting, when we're afraid. We need somebody to speak words of peace and encouragement, words of promise to remind us of the promises of God. Again, we don't have the promise that this particular storm is going to work out one way or the other. We don't have the exact same promises that they have, but we have even better promises. We have promises of resurrection. We have promises of eternal life. And we're in the, when we are in the middle of a storm, we need someone to remind us, remember who you are. Remember what you have. Remember the promises that God has made to you. Remember that God is with us. Remember what God is going to do. Remember what God has promised to do. And sometimes we need somebody to remind us what Paul told them. Eat some food. Eat some food. Take a deep breath. Be encouraged. Sometimes we're, when we're right in the middle of some of the most difficult things that we've ever been through, we need somebody to encourage us to remind us of who we are and whose we are and the promises that we have, to remind us to take a breath, eat some food, be encouraged. Not only do we need that, but sometimes we need to be that for others, for the other people that are with us in the boat, for other people that are in their own boat, that are going through their own trials, that are going through their own storms, we who have been comforted by God, sometimes we need to be this for other people, don't we? And we need to say to other people, remember who you are. Remember God's promises. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has promised to do. Eat some food. Take a breath. Be encouraged. Sometimes we need to listen when other people are trying to do that for us. Even right in the midst of the storm, even while the storm rages on, even before the problem is solved, somebody that will come into our life and say, remember, rest, take a breath, eat some food, be strengthened. And sometimes we need to be that for other people. Then read on to verse 36. It says, then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. I love that verse. We were, Luke says, we were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. We haven't even gotten to the end of the storm yet. This is where we're going to stop for today. We'll pick up the story next week. But we haven't even gotten to the end of the storm yet. Yet, look at what it says in verse 36. They all were encouraged. Even before the storm was over, even before the storm was over, even before the storm had finished, even before they had reached land, even before they were safe, even before they knew how it was all going to work out, they were encouraged. And so often we don't think that's possible, do we? We, we keep waiting for it. And I know we want the storm to be over. Of course we want the storm to be over. Of course, we want the sun to come up. Of course, we want to stand on solid ground. 
Of course, we want this trial, this, this struggle, this conflict, this whatever to be done and in the rearview mirror. But even in the middle of it, we can be encouraged. Even in the middle of it, we can be strengthened. Even in the middle of it, we can have peace. Peace in spite of the storm. Peace in spite of the storm. It's one thing to have peace when the storm is way in the future. It's one thing to have peace when the storm is in the rearview mirror. It's another thing to have peace in the midst of the storm, to have peace in spite of the storm. But that's what we can have in Christ. That's what we can have in Christ is we can have peace in spite of the storm. We started by saying that perspective is often determined by proximity. Our perspective is skewed because the storm is right on top of us. Our perspective is shaped because the, the storm is right on top of us. But when, when we're realizing that, that the storm is right on top of us, we need to realize that God's presence is closer than the storm. That's one reason we can have peace in spite of the storm is that God's presence is closer than the storm. Even when you're in the middle of the storm, even when the storm is all around you, God isn't just with you, God is in you. Isn't that what we have in Christ? That the Spirit of God is in you. This is why we can have a peace that passes understanding. Because the Spirit of God isn't just with us, the Spirit of God is in us. So even when the storm is all around us, even when the waves and the wind and the rain is all we can see and hear, there is a presence that's even closer than the storm. And that is the presence of God through the Spirit. And if we recognize that and realize that, that the Spirit of God is in us, that his presence is closer than the storm, that we can have peace in spite of the storm. But not only is God's presence closer than the storm, God's power is greater than the storm. Now that's not to say that the storm isn't powerful. And it's not to say that it's not a big deal because it absolutely is. It hurts. It scares us to death. It's incredibly difficult. It's not to diminish how bad and how painful and how scary these things can be. But it is to say that no matter how big it is or how scary it is or how powerful it is, God's power is greater. This storm may have the, the power to take your life, but God has the power to bring you back to life to give you life eternal. No matter how strong and powerful this storm is, God's power is greater. And when we recognize that and realize that, then that means that we can have peace, not just after the storm, but we can have peace in spite of the storm because God's presence is closer than the storm and God's power is greater than the storm and God's promises are truer than the storm. The storm makes all kinds of threats, doesn't it? The storm makes all kinds of threats that scare us to death. But God's promises are truer than the storm's threats. God's promises about how God is going to undo all of the bad things that sin and death have done. 
That means that when God's promises are all fully fulfilled, then all of the things that sin and death promise to do will all come undone. Jesus makes all things new. And these storms, their threats will ultimately come to nothing. The promises of God are truer than the storm. Again, that doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not difficult. Doesn't mean it's not scary. But it does mean that even in the midst of the storm, you can experience peace. In fact, I'm going to let this next song, our invitation song, finish the sermon for us this morning. It's a song that you've probably sung before. The title is Peace, Perfect Peace. But you may not realize this. In fact, our slides don't even reflect this. But originally, it was punctuated with a question mark. This song is asking and answering a question. And the question is one that you've probably asked before. Peace? Question mark. Perfect peace? Question mark. In this dark world of sin? Question mark. How? How can, how can I have peace in the midst of all of this? How can I have peace while all of this is going on? How can I have peace when, when I'm on this path? How can I find peace when I've chosen this? How can I find peace when my family has chosen this for me? How can I have peace when life has thrown this storm at me? And the gospel whispers peace within. This is why we can have peace. Not just after the storm is over, but peace right now, even in the midst of this dark world of sin, because God's presence is closer than the storm. His power is greater than the storm, and his promises are truer than the storm. So if you're ready to receive that peace, or you need prayers or encouragement, we're here for you as together we stand and sing this encouraging song.